we need a, an executive decision on how far we're going to spoil us on this podcast. That would be really helpful because I've been thinking about that quite a lot this week. <laughs> We've had a lot of time on our hands. We really have. I think me and you, when we're, when we're interested in a TV show or a film, we just won't listen to a review. And I think people like that, you, you need to work around them. So I, I don't think we go to just, oh, uh, it was good because it's not going to be premium content, is it? It's going to be a bit boring. Yeah. What... I would say is we can talk about plot points, we can talk about scenes that impress us, but we don't necessarily talk about, say, third act things. It, 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 I've been thinking about this a lot, like I say. If we're talking about Back to the Future, we could talk about someone going back in time. Mm-hmm. I think we go as far as saying that his mother falls in love with him. Weird. Yeah. You can even go as far as say there's a really good skateboard chase scene. And could you say that Michael J. Fox is in it, for yeah. example? So oh, we can yeah. do casting. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you don't want to say is, and then he goes back and his life is so much better because these little changes happened while they were there. And then Doc Brown comes and sets up the second one. I think we'll know the line when we when we see it. I hope so. I'm glad we've come to that conclusion because we have been speaking about this quite a lot. And it's been causing me some, some anxiety, I have to say, to try and think about how we were going to explain what we were going to say. And because one of our friends asked us, didn't he, are there spoilers for Westworld? And that set off a bit of an existential crisis for me of thinking, have I spoiled this for Chris? Have I spoiled it? Yeah, and I don't think we did go that far. I think we talked about casting. I think we talked about our thoughts on the episode we didn't go into plot at all as far as i'm aware well you said you couldn't remember the plot so that was really helpful yeah yeah that that's self-censoring these things so it's been a funny old week really hasn't it <laughs> yeah it has i think this time last week we were sat there thinking that the world was going to be out playing in the streets and we would be stuck in by ourselves as it's happened we haven't had a letter from the government as of yet not yet eagerly awaiting the postman coming every day just Absolutely. to see but everyone's in the same boat as us now. Yeah, everyone else has joined us now, haven't they? So it really has moved on incredibly quickly. It's weird being out in the streets and seeing people actively avoid people. I mean, I'm of the opinion that I get by with as little human contact as possible. I'll always use self-service checkouts anyway. So it, it's kind of kind of suits me that if I'm just in a mood, then I can uh, <laughs> quite happy being avoided at all costs. Social distancing is part of my mantra in many ways. <laughs> I get the feeling that it's going to get worse or it gets better. And I think that's why it's important for us to do this as kind of some sort of therapy. I hope no one thinks that we're te- making light of this situation because we are nervous about what's happening. But I think this is just very much how we get through it. Is that that work for you? I think it does. Yeah, I think that's very much what we what we want to do with this is just give ourselves something to do while we're on lockdown. But also, it's something that takes our mind off things. And just thank you very much to everyone who's listened so far because we've had loads more people listen to this than than we anticipated. I thought it was just going to be a couple of our mates and your mum. But it seems to I didn't have... even think she'd get that far. <laughs> I think it's kind of grown a little bit more than than we than we certainly anticipated, certainly from episode one. You didn't even think we would even send it out. So we hope that it's helping whoever is, is listening. If you've made it to episode two, thank you very much. But we hope it's helping you to sort of just, you know, have something else to, to think about. If you can laugh at these two daft idiots talking about telly for a little while. I hope that brings you some sort of comfort. Watching television, watching television. Do you know who has had a good week? No, who? When in a boardroom somewhere, someone planned out the launch date for Disney Plus UK. (laughs) How they've managed to launch it the day after every school in the UK was closed and kids are home all day with parents looking after them, I don't know. They must be high five. Well, they can't high five, can they? Um, they must be doing <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up emojis on Microsoft Teams and Slack. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we we signed up for Disney Plus first morning it came out. We did. We've got the seven day trial. I think we were quite reluctant before that to. Oh, I was. Like we subscribed to Sky. We've got Sky Movies. Yep. We've got Netflix. We've got Amazon Prime. And another streaming service mm. is. Probably the last thing anyone needs at this time. But with me working from home now, I'm not spending money getting lunches at work and everything like that. So I thought, I'll go for the seven-day period. I'll see what's on there. And if I want to, that 5 99 a month, I can sort of absorb it while we're working away in the background. 
And what a treat. <laughs> the, the day it launched, I finished lunch, I finished work from, from our lunch break and we came downstairs and we sat on the sofa and we literally just scrolled through the list of movies laughing at all the terrible Disney films from really? the mid-60s and 70s. Really awful. I mean, maybe they're brilliant. I don't know. But I'm guessing they're awful just from the title card and what they're called. The Shaggy DA. The Shaggy DA. Yeah, we've we've been looking things up about them, and you might have seen on Twitter when it came out in the US, uh, there was a video clip of the Shaggy DA that came around. It's a this is basically a detective that turns into a dog. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't even know that was. I thought it was just a dog that was a detective. Oh no, but no, no, I think it's, not. no, no. It's a human that turns into a dog. <laughs> that makes more sense now. Yeah. Um, and there is a clip going round of a sheepdog walking up to someone <laughs> cutting to the sheepdog's head with a clearly fist a human fist in a in a sheepdog <laughs> costume going and punching someone which we've watched maybe 20 times you've shown me this ages ago i think you might have woken me up when i'd gone to sleep at one point to go look at this video look at this video of this dog punching someone even though it's not a real dog and who knew that that was from the shaggy da which is now available on the streaming service we have just signed up to. Um, I mean, I don't know whether we'll carry on staying subscribed to Disney+. Plus. We've been watching a few things on it which we'll probably talk about, but I think it's probably something which we'll pick and choose our ones to subscribe to it. There's a lot of streaming services out there that kind of sat in the background where there's a couple of things on that I'd like, and it might just be a case that we where probably society as, as a whole doesn't just have all these things running in the background. They sign up to Stars Play for a couple of months and watch Harlots or whatever. They sign up to I think the BFI have launched one that looks really interesting. Really are. Um, there's some that. really sort of highly respected films that I've been wanting to watch for a while on there. It's a bit expensive, it's like ten or a month. But okay. they've put say for example Bait, which was on a lot of film critics that we listen to top films of the year. Yes. Um it's a British film, I think it's made for like twenty quid or something mm. like that. So I'm tempted just to subscribe to that, maybe down the line, catch a couple of things, unsubscribe, and wait until the next thing come on. I mean, have you heard of anyone seeing anything on the Apple streaming service? No. No, and no one we know has mm. talked to us about it. Because that launched last year, and the, I mean, there's physically not a way that we can watch it on our TV screen, that I know of, because we haven't got iPhones, we haven't got an Apple TV box, and no. we've got a Chromecast, and they don't do an app for Android, they don't stream to Chromecast. There's some really, like, I've heard reviews of stuff being good, but if you look on IMDb, not that I've been doing any preparation for this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to break my reputation as Venus only. <laughs> If you something like um, the morning show, which is obviously really well thought of, but lots of highly highly thought of actors in there, that's got some like thirty thousand reviews on IMDb. Whereas something like The Witcher, which came out on Netflix around the same time, has got ten times that. Apple aren't going to go out of business through one streaming service, but there's not a lot of people talking about it. And considering no. they've given it away to anyone who bought an iPhone in the past year, I think they probably need to get some content on there quite quickly. Or oh, some something that really attracts people's attention although you would think uh because the morning show didn't that have was it jennifer aniston yeah jennifer aniston and steve carell and reese witherspoon so you would think that that would be an attractive piece of prestige television for people to to go but say i i've heard of it but at no mm. point in time have i said to you oh i really want to i want to see that can we can we subscribe to it for i mean like you say we've got no way of, of watching it <laughs> yeah. but i'm sure we could find a way yes um but i i haven't even thought about that until you've mentioned mm. it now have you watched anything on disney plus yet no apart from the thing that we're clearly going to talk about no i haven't watched anything i watched the x x-men this morning the yes. cartoon. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I introduced Blake to the X-Men cartoon. Um, being, being in my early teens in the early 90s, uh, this was quite quite an iconic show for me. Like It was quite dark at times. Did you ever watch it when you were a kid? Uh, yes, I did. And in the kitchen, all I could hear was... Not from the TV screen, just me singing along to it. I was like, oh, it's X-Men. Yeah. What a great theme tune as well like I remember I just remember it from being I don't know how that's become I mean it's a brilliant theme tune but I don't know how it's become so iconic in that even in the films now if they do the Fox fanfare mm. the end will just go na, 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 na. does it yeah oh, I'll show you later on okay 
exciting. Thanks for that's an exciting evening. I also watched, bizarrely, Oliver and Company. And I thought this was about dogs, didn't I? Yes, there are, there are dogs in it. Right. It's about a cat called Oliver who joins a gang of dog miscreants led by someone called Fagin. Right. Who owes money to a loan shark called Bill. So they're called Sykes. Right. I mean, this was the film that, the, that Disney made before The Little Bear made. Okay. And there is a reason why they call Little Mermaid the start of the second golden age of Disney. Not good then. It's 70 minutes, which was quite inoffensive. That, I mean, that's the reason why I put it on, because it was just 70 minutes. It was something to have in the background. What's weird though, advertising in it. Advertising? Yeah, so it's set in New York. Yeah. And they're walking past like billboards of USA Today and Diet Coke. That's interesting. Is it? That... Have you seen that in other sort of no. Disney cartoons? No. I haven't. I don't know whether it was paid for or... I mean, and whether Disney were short of a few bob in the late 80s, but mm. yeah, it, it was quite off putting. But one thing we have watched together, and we've just finished the second episode, is The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. So we've not, this is quite difficult because since we've been doing this, we've not spoken about things. We've just, when we're watching things together, we've shut them off and we've kind of given each other a nod. And it's like, save it for the podcast. Yeah, every now and again, you kind of start a sentence, don't you? Like, save it for the podcast, save it for the podcast. So what did you think of The Mandalorian? So I wasn't looking forward to The Mandalorian at all. I thought I might play with my phone quite a lot during this because I just didn't have any real interest in it. Maybe because I thought it was a show about Boba Fett and I'm not entirely convinced now that it is. But I still don't know what it's about. But I'll come back to that in a minute. So yeah, it wasn't something that I felt that I needed to watch. A bit like like Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the the animated series. I like Star Wars. I know my basic Star Wars lore. Um, I maybe know some fun facts about Star Wars, but I'm certainly not an expert and I don't tend to go for things around the edges. Yeah. So The Mandalorian to me... I just kind of thought, well, it's just an add-on, isn't it? And what am I going to get out of this? What were your feelings about the Mandalorian? Were you looking forward to it? So I was was excited about it. I'm very similar in you in that I like the original three trilogy, uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Never been a fan of the prequels. I think like a lot of people my age. Was never a fan of the of seven eight nine trilogy you remember me leaving the force awakens i hated that oh, film you were so angry it just seemed like fan fiction to me which i suppose it kind of was but i think i'm the only person on earth who actually liked the last jedi <laughs> um because that got so much backlash as you know yeah and i really really liked it and then I went and we went and saw the Rise of Skywalker, and we went and saw it separately, didn't we? We did. Yeah, I went first thing in the morning. You went just after lunch because we were. <laughs> That's looking, what happens when you have a baby. Looking with child at the, <laughs> at the time, and I thought it was one of the worst put together films yeah. I've ever seen. It was another angry moment from you. I, I really like JJ Abrams' work, but his two Star Wars films I really hated. So I was never one. I was never looking forward to it, although I'd heard really good things about it, and. I think we need to address the elephant in the room of this, having mm. had our spoilers conversation. Mm. Let's try and not mention the big reveal at the end of episode Absolutely. one, because not everyone's on as on Twitter and Reddit and stuff as we are. And I think most people, if you if you know if you've seen anything about the Mandalorian, you know what we're talking about. But for that one person who mm. might not know it, because I would have loved to have not known Same what was here. coming. Same here. And I wasn't even out there looking for stuff. I wasn't mm. looking on Twitter for any sort of Mandalorian content. And I still found out about it. And it was annoying. It would have been really nice to have had that experience. So the way you've set that up, I kind of get the feeling that you quite liked the first, <laughs> the first two shows. Well, I'm still not sure. My problem at the moment is I don't know when it's set. I don't know where it's set. I'm not entirely convinced that I understand the motivations of some of the major characters, including the Mandalorian himself. So at the moment, I'm kind of viewing this as, you know, one of those small adventure books that are like spin-offs of a major franchise, which obviously this is a spin-off of a major franchise. Yeah, I know what you mean. But it's just, I feel like it's... Something with a badly painted picture of a main character on the front. Yes. That's kind of how I'm viewing it at the moment because it, it is short. There are sh- the, the episodes are short. Yeah. We, we 
we're getting through them and really quickly and they feel quite standalone and I don't know whether that's because they're named at chapter one chapter two rather than sort of episodes yeah there's a lot of discussion about Star Wars being a space western yes in episode one you said to me oh it's western or words to that effect oh isn't it like a western should have said that shouldn't I you should have said and I sort of went ah maybe but now I'm absolutely on board with that. This is a spaghetti western in space. Mm. I'm not a massive fan of westerns, so maybe that comes into it as well. I think essentially what I'm saying is I don't quite know yet. I like the fact that there are familiar characters like Jawas and other creatures that I recognise. It's very much Star Wars as we know it. I like the fact that they're using CGI sparingly. I mean, I'm sure there are absolutely bucket loads of special effects, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels grounded in reality as much as a, a Star Wars fantasy series can can be grounded in reality. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm looking forward to chapter three because I think things will, will move forward. Yeah, and I think that's... Yeah, I think you're probably know where you stand by the end of that um i loved it i thought it was absolutely amazingly put together it looks more like a star wars film than any film since the new hope how they get that aesthetic on screen i don't know there's quite a few references to previous things and some of them are a bit too much in your face for me but they don't affect the plot at all it's just something that it's on screen for two seconds and then goes past there is a character that turns up at the end of the first episode that I think, having given how much publicity this character had, I was quite ready to roll my eyes out and hate. Yeah. I now understand why it went viral. It is one yeah. of the greatest characters ever written. Um, oh, come on. Okay, that's a bit of hyperbole. Yeah, it's it's one of the best characters I've seen for a long time, shall we say? <laughs> I think that's going a bit too far. I mean, it's it's interesting, it's funny, it's, but I don't think we can say that it... Not yet, anyway. Okay. Not yet. It's possible hyperbole there. Just possibly going a little bit too far. But obviously this really shows how much you are loving this show because to say that and to come out with this effusive praise, oh, particularly yeah. when you've come home before and you've just... You've come through the door and I've had to, like, calm you down... Because you've been to uh, that film, that film, you know, really that, really angry and disappointed with I things. I don't like what you're making me out to be. Yeah, I'm a very Sorry. nice man. You are a very nice man. But yeah, you've been very disappointed in the past when you've been off to, you know, you've trundled off to see your film yeah. and you've, you've been, you know, you you often go on the first day that films go out. Yeah. And you've come back and you're just sad that it hasn't been what you wanted it to be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, I'm, this makes me very excited for the rest of the series and actually the, the Disney products as a, as a whole because I think certainly with the Star Wars stuff, I mean, I, can you imagine, imagine how much I hated Solo as well? Yes, I remember yeah. that. I mean, Rogue One was all right. Like, was that okay. was oh, yeah. bad, but... We've never watched it again. <sighs> but d- did we need an origin of why Han Solo was called Han we Solo? We absolutely did not. I'm more confident of Disney handling Star Wars than I ever have been before because I think this show gets it. And it might just be Jon Favreau because obviously he's done a lot of things and a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, but I love this and I cannot wait. I'm tempted just to say, right, that's the end of the podcast and we'll watch the third episode now. Okay, we can't do that. No, okay. I've got some cookies that I really want to eat. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I'd like to talk about really quickly, um, we've been watching Sex Education Season 2. We have. We're a little bit behind on that. Um, did it come out? It was a little while ago, wasn't yeah. it? I think we're definitely be behind the curve on that one. I love this show. Mm. It was you that watched it, watched the first series without me. Yes. And then we watched the first series together. Yeah. And then we we took a little time over the second series because we've had to kind of keep an eye on Blake. We started watching it in bed when he when we took him to bed, and then we sort of got out of the habit because he was sort of having a bit of restless times. So mm. um, but then. I think we just fired through the last sort of five episodes, just in consecutive nights. Yeah. Episode seven, I was bawling. It's one of the best TV moments I've seen all year. Even better than The Mandalorian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I can't believe you weren't crying at it at the same time that I was. I think because you were crying, I then found it funny. So <laughs> I could feel you <laughs> could feel your chest going and I could, you get this thing where when you're crying you do this like thing with your chest and I could, I could just feel it going 
I found that really quite funny. Maybe if I was by myself, yeah, I would have. I mean, the more it, it's very emotional, it's very touching, it's incredibly female centric, which for me is really important because you just don't get to see things like that on mm. telly very often. It is getting better. The characters are incredibly diverse, and it's it speaks from a from a woman's perspective. I think everyone has something to do in it as well. Mm-hmm. I think the first series concentrated on maybe the main three characters and their immediate families. But a lot of the peripheral characters have had so much to do this uh, this season. I love this. And if, if seriously, if you listen to this and you haven't seen Sex Education, I'd recommend watching it. They're really easy watches. It's so good. And I can't wait for season three. Although I do get a feeling that might be as far as I can go without pushing it too far. Yeah, so to, towards the end of season two, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating here because I really love this show, but there were things that occurred, there were plot devices or character moments that I'm not altogether behind. And it's setting it up for season three, and I'm, I'm just not sure I'm, I'm going along with them. I think I know what you're talking about there. I'm not, I'm, I'm happy with them. I can, there's a little bit of stretching... <laughs> stretching reality in it but it never occurred to me that it was a misstep okay. um, so yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to season 3 yes. although I kind of hope there isn't a season 4 I think they just tie it up and I'd like to see the actors move on to other things I agree and it's funny you should say that actually because one of the things that I've watched by myself this week has got one of the actors in She's is this not... The Nest? it is, it is The Nest so just to give you a little insight, I saw this on Sky Plus and said to Elaine, is that any good? She's like, tell you on the podcast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting with bated breath. Uh, the whole idea is that we don't talk about it during the week so that we, we don't just yammer at each other. It's all right. Well, I wasn't entirely sure at the time as well. So, okay. um, yeah, so, so we saw the trailer for The Nest and I think I might have said to you, oh, do you recognise who that is? Yeah, it was kind of immediate after watching an episode as well, I think. Mm-hmm. And the um, the actress's name, a brilliant name, is Mirren Mack. Um, and she's actually only been in Sex Education and The Nest. Okay. But she plays a teenage girl. It's set in Glasgow. And um, she becomes a surrogate for a rich couple. The couple are Martin Comston. And Sophie Rundle, do you know Sophie Rundle? No. She was the sister in Peaky Blinders. Okay. That's who yeah, you, yeah, you'll yeah. know her yeah. from. She's from. Yeah. She's done loads of other stuff, but yeah. that's what you'll know her from. So that's the basic uh, premise. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those emotional thrillers, I think they call them now, where there are twists and turns all the way through. When I first watched it, I thought, interesting to see Mirren Mack, given that we've just seen her in Sex Education and her character was sort of coming to the fore towards the end of of Sex Education and she was was an interesting presence. So I thought, oh, well, give it a go. Within sort of 10 minutes, I was rolling my eyes at the beautiful houses, you know, the glass houses that everyone has to have now in a BBC prestige drama. Absolutely, yeah. This was on a lake, so we're looking out onto some sort of a lock. Um, as it's a, a Scottish drama, so we're looking out onto a lock. Um, we're standing by the glass at uh, all times. There's a piano in the corner. The kitchen is immaculate. You, it's it's your dream home. So I was kind of rolling my eyes at that. And they work two sh- <laughs> work two shifts at Sainsbury's. Well, actually, in this one, he he's a um, he's he's a moneyed businessman, um, and she works. Actually, she, she's, I think she's some sort of music teacher, so that's why you've got the piano in the corner. But I did, I did think, oh, he, here we go, beautiful house and emotional drama in inv- inverted commas. Is it the same house as on Dr. Foster? <laughs> it's or... kind of, yeah, that's a, you take the Dr. Foster house <laughs> yeah. and merge it with all the other ones and put it next to some water. So 10 minutes in, I'm thinking, I'm probably going to turn this off soon. But I got all the way to the end of it, and I'm probably going to watch episode two which is a real surprise to me now i might give up after after episode two if it's it's getting a bit mad okay i'll look forward to not being told about that next week then (laughs) i know that we said we didn't want to just do episode by episode reviews of things and i think we said we're going to touch upon shows at the beginning of a series and at the end of a series and maybe check back in and see what we thought about it if we've managed to finish it which i'm not convinced you will for the nest um but 
having been so felt so strongly about episode one of Westworld, mm. I think I'd like to just touch upon episode two. Okay. You know I'm always happy to talk about Westworld. <laughs> I really love this episode. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Hmm. I'm just not sure about Westworld at the moment. I'm delighted that you enjoyed it because I'm re- I'm really struggling with Westworld. Hmm. What did you love about the episode? I loved that it was very controlled. We spend almost the entire runtime with Maeve, who only appeared in the first episode in a post-credits sting. And the plot develops in a way where we see where she is bit by bit. We see what she's got to do bit by bit. It was kind of like a season of Westworld just condensed into an hour in that they changed the rules of the game a number of times. Everything wasn't as it seemed in the first instance. Which tends to be how it is with Westworld. Yeah, and I thought it was a far more mature episode of Westworld. It wasn't just trying to get Reddit talking and fooling everyone. I think I said last week that I don't have any confidence in Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy to take this forward and tell an interesting story over a full season. I'm getting there. The show they do have the discipline to tell a story in a nice fashion that that still has a lot for a viewer to discover, but doesn't go so far up its own ass, which it did a lot in season two. There is something in the background that I was spoiled about, which was quite disappointing. Yeah, you you were quite sad about that. You, I think you were waiting for well, you were you were yeah. waiting for me to get to that bit, and then after the bit occurred, you got. Did you know that? Did you know that? And I didn't. I I wasn't spoiled mm. at all. Uh, so there are people who make a cameo in the background. Mm. Um, I think the internet that or certainly the people who I follow on Twitter lost their shit over these people appearing in it. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a lineup, so mm. it meant nothing it to meant me. It meant nothing to me either. Uh, it's really interesting that you say it, that you don't think this is Reddit baiting this episode because that's how I felt. It was old Westworld. It was season one of Westworld, going back to season one of Westworld, but I didn't get the joy, um, not to use a pun, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the joy out of it that I did with season one. You know I love... Um, the elements of the parks. I like the timey wimey thing, you know. So all of those things. I was left cold by some of the reveals. I don't know whether it was because it was, you know, you've you used the word gamey and gamification. Mm. That's how it felt to me, but not in a way that piqued my interest. I felt there were way too many Matrix references. I don't know whether they are. They, I mean. Nolan and Joy know what they're doing. There's no way they're going to make Matrix references and not mean them. But it just got a bit too much for me. I was just ticking off Matrix references. And I've watched the episode again. Okay. Because I wanted to see some of the things that people on Twitter were losing their shit about. Mm. Again, just in case I'd missed something. And there were a couple of things that I missed. I think I said to you earlier on in the week, oh, I've watched that bit and all. I hadn't quite picked up that that had happened in the plot. Mm. And I, I kind of fast-forwarded through quite a lot of it, watched the major bits, and then sort of went, oh, okay. And episode three's coming up, but I'm just not as excited as I used to be. And I've, I miss being excited about West. I mean, I'm sure I'll really enjoy it. I always do. But there are other shows out there at the moment that... I am feeling more excited about. Are you more excited by episode three of The Mandalorian than you are, Westworld? I don't think I'm quite there yet. <laughs> Worth a go. <laughs> Worth a go. Cool. Um, well, that's stuff we've been watching together. We've actually had a request for me to talk about. We have. Can you believe it? <laughs> when we were recording this last week and we were like, oh, this is just like a sixth form project, isn't it? Yeah. And we, we've now actually, someone's actually listened to it. And also, we've had a request. Hi, Chris. Hi, Hi Chris. <laughs> so Chris wanted me to talk about Picard, which I've been watching by myself. You watched the first two, maybe three episodes? Probably. I can't remember. And I think the first episode we we were actually quite impressed with. And then it's gone wrong. This show is not about Jean-Luc Picard. It's about synthetic beings. And with a couple of decent writers, you could quite easily transpose this to be about any captain or a generic captain. Or it could be Wesley Crusher, the TV show. I like Wesley Crusher. And his mum, Beverly. (laughs) 
Does she turn up? No. No? Oh. No. Well, Bad times. No spoilers. Okay. But um, they do just throw everything at this. I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan. A lot of my friends were really into Next Generation as I grew up. So I've seen most of the next generation. I've probably not seen every episode by a long way. And I've never gone into Deep Space Nine. I've never gone into Voyager. What's the first season of Discovery when it came out? Mm-hmm. Um, and then quickly, like lost, quickly lost interest in it. We talked about in The Mandalorian how they put references in the background. This is putting references right in the front. You have episodes where they go and visit characters from the next generation. And then at the end of that, they go away and nothing else. And it's 100% fan service. It looked beautiful. I remember episode one, not so much the other episodes where mm. I just, I, I think I was playing on the internet for most of them. Yeah. But I remember it and thinking, oh, it's really beautifully done. The aesthetic was really lovely. Jean-Luc mm. Picard on his vineyard. Did that go no. pretty quickly? That well, that went that went almost well. That made episode three. We left all those characters behind. Okay. He put together his ragtag crew of stereotypes and cliches. You've got the grizzled uh, one who's got substance abuse problems. You've got the learner captain. You've got the sciencey person. You've got the quiet but rock hard person who can take out anyone. <laughs> I just didn't care, especially when they're giving these people storylines and serious time. If you're going to call a show Picard and have it starring such an iconic character as Jean-Luc Picard, I really, really wanted it to be about Jean-Luc Picard Mm. rather than a a quite charismatic leading girl who has a storyline that I didn't care anything about. This afternoon, watch the final episode of the series and it sets up season two. There was a moment where it's definite fan service, but it is it's worth it. It's a pump the pump in the fist in the air moment. And that's nice, and it's probably the first time that's happened for me during this. But there is a development at the end to set up season two. Okay. And I can't get away with that. You were making some really weird noises. I was upstairs with Blake to give you some peace and quiet so you could watch this last episode of Picard. And I, I know you've been hate-watching this all the way through as well, so I thought, just a bit of peace and quiet. Mm. Maybe maybe the last episode will be a turnaround. You made some really weird noises, and I was trying to work out whether they were good or bad, but they really they didn't sound good. There was one, like, real, uh, you know, like... like heart-wrenching oh no so I, I suspect that was the latter of the two things that you were talking about i think that sounds about mm. right also it's a really weird thing with this show where they drop f-bombs all the time now i am not someone who is shy from swearing True. i think it's big i think it's clever i think it's funny but I don't want it in my Star Trek. And this might be me being a father going, oh, come on, you're better than that. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, you're growing up. Because when Blake, if Blake comes out with it. But they use it about four or five times during the season. And in situations that don't use it. That is not what I thought you were going to say about Picard. Of all the things that I thought you could discuss about Picard, I didn't think you'd be talking about the actual language that they use because that's not something that's ever come up in any of the Star Treks. And this one character that calls him JL, which just seems wrong. Mm. I hate this show. Mm. Um, I'm not against it having a second season. <laughs> After saying all of that. <laughs> I might see how it goes and then come back to it. Okay. Uh, if, it, if, it if, if it improves, I might come back to it. I'm certainly not going to be sat there opening morning. So is that the end of, of TV? I can't remember if there's anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I think that's it for TV. But... There is something you need to watch. Is there? Oh, there is. There is. <laughs> it's it's the feature that now has a name. Yes, uh, we've been trying to think of a name for my feature where we suggest each other films that we've not seen and maybe a little bit outside our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And you came up with the name, so I'll let you name it. Well, I did. I came up with a name, and you came up with the one that you thought was better, yeah, if you remember. But I think we're going to go with yours for now. <laughs> So it's um, we're going to go for date night as yes. so we have honeymoon period. Date night, I think, sort of f- fits in with our random branding. <laughs> not that not that we're branding anything at all, but we might as well stick on a theme. 
it'll be called the proposal by episode 10 of this i guarantee it, it better not be <laughs> so yeah let's go watch it mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and we'll see what you think about top secret oh top secret i'd forgotten it was actually top secret <laughs> excellent right wish me luck everyone hillary that's an unusual name it's a german name it means she whose bosoms defied gravity Pleased to meet you. My name's Nick. Nick? What does that mean? Uh, nothing. My dad thought of it while I was shaving. We've just finished watching Top Secret. We have. <laughs> <laughs> you had a great time. What I've found is things are far funnier when I see someone not laughing next to me at things I find hilarious. And it multiplies. <laughs> Every joke by about ten. There were points in that where you were actively holding in. Like I came over and had a bit of like a cuddle with you. At one point, my back was really hurting, so I sort of leant against you, and uh, I could just feel you holding it in, like properly holding it, like like that sort of like laughing where you go, you know, with your mouth and. The thing is as well that I know when the jokes are coming, so I'm trying not to laugh just as the jokes coming up. Should we um, say spoilers for Top Secret? Or yes. Do th- or do you think... I think it said say spoilers. Yeah. Um, it's a 20, 36-year-old film, so... So this was going to be my first question. Yes. When on earth was this recorded? 1984. Right, because I was going for sort of early eight. I was... Eight, and then at one point I just stopped on 1980. Mm. But then I was maybe going towards 70. It's, it was difficult to tell. So Zucker's Abraham Zucker made Airplane that was a box office smash. They then went and created a TV show that was called Police Squad, starring Les Nielsen, and was cancelled after six shows. The network didn't get it, and it's the earliest thing that I know of of a cancelled TV show that's gone on to get massively cult status they then created this it's val kilmer's first film role i was thinking that he looks incredibly young yeah he came from doing stage and was put into the starring role in this two years later he's making top gun right okay so yeah so that's the the timeline isn't mm-hmm. it so this is, this is 84 because i was thinking this must have been a little bit before that but yeah. he he is he is young in this but there's a there's a there's a there's a jump between this and Iceman. yes Absolutely. There's an innocence to this that, uh, yeah. And Zucker Abraham Zucker then went on to revive the police squad concept and created Naked Gun. Oh, right, which okay. Is, which is officially called Naked Gun from the files of police squad. Okay. Um, they turned down to do Airplane 2, which leads to the tagline of this film from the makers of the original Airplane, Open brackets, not the Wright brothers. Close brackets. Come on, that's funnier than most things in end most films. Oh, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a different style of comedy, and you know my thoughts on comedy anyway. These sort of one liners, these very visual like gags. That's what yeah. I, all the way through. This is gags, gag after gag after gag. Oh yeah, I mean the the hit rate for. Gags is one every maybe 30 seconds. I I think this definitely passed. If we talk about Mark Kermode's six mm. laugh test, you laughed Isn't about double that. I think it's three. I think he. Did he say well, three? Okay. Well, you laughed. Well, at I definitely least, did. You were in double figures of laughs. Um, yeah, I, I was. I was. And a lot of the time, I think I was laughing because I enjoyed it, but also because you were enjoying it as well. So there yes. was that double. But I think that's comedy. That's like things are funnier when you're in an audience full of people. Mm-hmm. I think the greatness of Top Secret, Naked Gun, Airplane, is that you can watch them ten times and you're still seeing jokes in the background. You're seeing signs that you'd never seen before. Did you catch anything there in that? Well, I mean, it's been it's been a few years since I've seen it, but there were signs that I certainly weren't expecting coming. I probably even noticed them before, but yeah, it's a different thing every time. So, what did you think? So, go on, give me your review of the film. So, it's it's difficult for me, isn't it? Because this isn't my style of film. I wouldn't actively sit and watch something like this and not 
someone who goes, oh, I really love Naked Gun or Naked Gun 2 and... A, I remember that coming out when I was a kid. Was it 2 and a quarter or 2 Naked and Gun a, 2 and a half. 2 and a half. And Naked Gun 33 and a third. Right, okay. The final insult. That. So I sort of... I know of those things, but they're never anything that I've actively wanted to watch or I've I've looked at and thought, oh, that, that'll be a film for me. Mm. So this sort of comedy doesn't necessarily appeal to me. However, after the first five, ten minutes, my brain said to me, oh, it's an Aloha episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it very much is. The, it, it is very similar. And I really like Aloha, as you know. It's one of those really weird things where I'm, I'm saying I don't like gags, I don't like strange comedies and yet i love a bit of a low hello i love and that's very broad Dibley, very broad com- you know visual gag so but once i'd got my head around it once i'd decided that it was akin to an a low hello episode which obviously i enjoyed so much of in the 1980s that's where i thought oh i can i can relax now i'm not looking for anything other than that i know what this is and some of the things are not gonna hit and I'm going to look at them, I'm going to roll my eyes. And other things I can appreciate. And I can appreciate the parody. Particularly in the second half, I felt that the parody really ramped up. Once we went into that that war footing, the war films, I could see all of the references and I enjoyed picking out the references and the cliches and the stereotypes like breaking the glass before you shoot your gun. And, you know, although yeah. you know, things like playing noughts and crosses like that doesn't hit with me at all i just think oh well he would you wouldn't play noughts and crosses when you were in a gunfight but i can appreciate that that's coming from the cliche of that particular thing happening in films and you'd also find of seeing horse funny yes i did like the horse that sang <laughs> but again it is playing on the film cliches all the way through and that's very much their style they take a film genre and in this it's war films and elvis films um in airplane it is disaster films and you have to have seen a lot of them to understand the the cliches that they are riffing on if you've never seen a war film with a shootout you don't know that you smash the window and then you shoot and a lot of those jokes will fall on their ass, but that and that's the beauty of them. They reward cinema, cine literacy. Okay, I get that. I do get that. I do have an issue with some of the more problematic elements of the film, and I don't know to to give it its due and to try and look at it objectively. I don't know that that's because they are taking they are they are satirizing films of that nature or whether it is a throwback to the early 80s anyway, in that their treatment of women, their treatment of people of colour, is not the most progressive. I think I like to think it is a parody of, of that, because the, there is no joke behind a character being called Chocolate Moose, other than you're parodying other African-American characters that you've seen all the way through film history. But for me, I mean, it, it's, it is, there are moments where you have to roll your eyes and go, it's a different time. Yeah, and that was one point in particular where I just, there was something within me went, oh, I kind of get the point that you're making. I'm getting the point that people of colour have been marginalised in films or put in this particular role in films, you know, over the, over decades. And mm. that's making that point. But there's still there's something in this day and age where I sit and I I hear um, a a black man being called chocolate moose that that really you know oh there's something I'm holding my chest because I just go oh that is not that's not something I I want to hear yeah know? and it's only ten years before this that mash there was a character called and I might not have this exactly right mm. something like spear chocker mm. so yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't think those jokes have aged particularly well. Mm -hmm. And I think they are very much of their time. There's a lot of classic films that you enjoy where there are depictions of people of colour and not exactly sympathetic. Yeah. Um, I I think it's a case of being glad we've moved on from all that now. Yeah, absolutely. And in particular, the treatment of women as well. I mean, the the women on the beach at the beginning who essentially had the, the, the loosest bikinis I've ever seen in my life. There's a lot of boobage in this film as well. 
have you seen Love Island? I don't think we've necessarily <laughs> moved on from that. No, but uh, Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. I think the bikinis are much tighter. One thing I, re- I really enjoy- enjoyed as someone who had no idea, I mean, I had no idea anything about it, but nothing about this film. I didn't even know Val Kilmer was in it until mm. one of our friends uh, <laughs> who found out we were watching this and went, oh, Val Kilmer. And I went, oh, I didn't know that. So that was the only thing I knew going into this. And then, then I saw the DVD in, in your office and it had cows all over it. And it, I didn't know it was the DVD for Top Secret, but I was just com- compelled to look at it because it had all these cows on. I went, oh, cows. And you just yelled spoiler and looked really worried that I'd seen something. But I knew nothing about this film apart from cows and Val Kilmer. I still didn't really know where the cows came in. I do now. What I found fascinating was within the first five minutes, I'm going, there's Dr. Zhivago. Yep. There's D.L. and Pasco, one of them. <laughs> I don't know which one. I think it might have been D.L., Warren Clark. Yeah. Um, Michael Goff appears towards the middle. Michael Goff is the Hillary's is. father. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the old, yeah. Older do- now, do you know... I might know something that you don't know. Do you know that Val and Michael Goff appear again in, a, in another film of course yeah because he's alfred he's alfred to his batman yeah and i thought that's that that made me feel really excited i don't know why <laughs> but that that was like a, a moment of like, your, oh fun fact in your favorite batman film in my favorite batman film i genuinely without irony my favorite batman film anyone else you spotted oh i'm trying to think i don't think so is is there someone else I should? So oh oh um Carson from <laughs> Downton Abbey who is married to Imelda Staunton and I can't is it Jim something? Jim, Jim Carter. Jim Carter. Jim Carter. Yes, in, in, in the most stereotypically French character I've ever ever. Got. I mean, they could have given him a bicycle and some garlic. And we would have then really, really been playing into those, those, you know, how British people stereotype the French in that era. Deja Vu is one of the greatest characters. Of, of all time or just in this film? Maybe just in this film. <laughs> <laughs> so when I presented this to you, yes. I said that this film, for all its stupidness, contains one of the best put together scenes in, in film for me. And I was thinking about that when I was watching it. But there wasn't anything at that point in time where I was thinking, oh, this is one of the best things I've... Or one of the things that you might think was the best thing that's ever been. Until I got to the underwater scene where the uh, Nigel and Nick are fighting underwater and you suddenly find them in a bar and they're... I mean... fantastic sort of movement under the water very much a western is is that it it's interesting that you picked that out because that is not the same oh, right i think that the swedish bookshop which for people who haven't seen the film for plot reasons they need to visit a swedish bookshop peter cushing is the bookseller and to get the accent the entire scene is filmed backwards to get the accent. Did you not realise that it was backwards? Towards the end, I realised there was a backwards element to it because they go up a fireman's pole. <laughs> they go up a fireman's pole. Val Kilmer throws books up onto the top I shelf. I just thought that was like a clever device. And of... a dog runs in backwards. Does he? <laughs> That's amazing. But what, why is it... Yeah, I was going to say to you, at that point, actually, in the film, there's some there's something going on here. Yes. I know there's a bit backwards towards the end. I hadn't realised that the whole thing was backwards. Why is that? Why is it backwards? I mean, why is anything in this film? But, so, to mimic them speaking Swedish, they tape it forwards... And run it backwards. And I think on the DVD, and certainly on YouTube, you can see it played forwards. Okay. Which we'll watch after this. 
and maybe you will then appreciate the genius of that scene <laughs> and the fact that someone can <laughs> leave leave a room by going up a fireman's pole. I just thought, it, well, you know what it's like. These films, I just have to take everything with a pinch of salt because I'm just like, oh, they're being wacky again. You know, it's that wacky thing where they pretend to be a cow. Oh, it's that wacky thing where they're underwater and they're fighting each other in a bar. And, you know, the barman's there and he's got the bottle smashing it over his head, but they're underwater. So that just passed me by completely. I didn't even realise he was Swedish, but... I mean, I think that was pretty obvious from the uh, from the plot points, but um, that's fine. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. So, could you give Top Secret a star rating? And I think this is on how much you enjoyed it, rather than I think mm. I think we're going to stick with we give star ratings based on how much we enjoyed it, rather than how well something was made. Okay. Um. So for date night star rating number one for Top Secret, are we are we doing it out of five? Yeah. 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 Okay. Halves are allowed. I'm I'm sticking at a good old solid three because it was an enjoyable day and night. We had a good time. Um, our son woke up in the middle of it, and that gave <laughs> that gave us enough time to have a break and go and get an Easter. So that obviously, you know, added to the the enjoyment for it for me. But yeah, I I did, and it's and it's not long. It's not a long film. Eighty six minutes, I think it is, or maybe eighty two minutes. No film needs to be over two hours, so that's um. It's one of your one of your golden rules, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, a, a solid three, which is much much more than I think I would have given it a couple of hours ago. It's, and it's <laughs> and much, much more it's much more think. than I thought you were going to get it yeah. when you were sat stony faced through hilarious scenes. But um, yeah, I'm, I'll I'll take that as a success. Well, I'm look I'm looking forward to watching this video of the scene, the best scene in the world <laughs> that has passed me by. <laughs> But before we go to that, you need to set me a date night for next week. So, date night next week, on a theme, because we've already said we've got Disney Plus this week. Okay. So, when we were scrolling through the Disney Plus movies, I spotted one that I hadn't seen for a while. I don't think you've seen it. In fact, I'm absolutely convinced you haven't seen it. I'm going to have to edit this if I have. Yeah, I know. I don't know how excited you will be to be watching this because it's not your typical Disney children's film and I, I don't think you know many of the traditional Disney children's films from that particular era. Absolutely not. But we're going to watch the original and that's the important bit, the original Pete's Dragon. <laughs> really? What do you know about Pete's Dragon? I know that there is a boy. I know that there is a cartoon dragon. Do you know what the dragon's called? I thought I was going to say Pete, but there. <laughs> I presume that's the boy. Now then, almost forgot, we're on Twitter. You can follow us at The Honeymoon Pod. And apparently, we're on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you normally get podcasts from. So yeah, 